Welcome, welcome, welcome to another very special episode of the KBB Review podcast, all about the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2024. I'm Andy Davis, and give or take a day or so, we are just three weeks away from the big ceremony on Monday, March the 4th in Birmingham. I'm as excited as I am absolutely terrified, as we'll be welcoming about 900 of the industry's top designers retailers, suppliers, opinion formers and influencers for the biggest night of the year. All the judging is complete and I now have in front of me the full list of winners and I promise it is a really good list. In this awards episode, we're going to take a look into the minds of our design judges to see what they thought of this year's entries, what themes they spotted and how much they get out of the process themselves. And that process itself is really important and here's how it works. Designers submit their written entries and the judges go through every single one and score them independently against a list of criteria. I add up all the scores and the top four in each category become the shortlist. But it doesn't stop there, and that's the big difference of our awards. We have two further judging sessions. We have two panels, one for kitchen and one for bathroom, and we put them in a room and all the shortlisted finalists then present their projects to them in person via Zoom. And this is where the judges get the chance to quiz and question the designer on all the details. So, I ran the bathroom panel at the Rocker Gallery in Chelsea Harbour, and my esteemed colleague and KBB Review editor Rebecca Nottingham ran the kitchen panel at Halcyon Interiors on Wigmore Street. And once all the presentations were over, we grabbed some of the judges for a bit of a post-match chat, and that's what we're going to hear now. But first... These special bonus awards episodes of the KBB Review podcast are brought to you with the help of our friends at Sunnus Bathrooms, our 2024 awards podcast partner. As I'm sure you know by now, they're a hugely successful company over in Ireland and they're now here in the UK with their stylish and high quality range of products. You can find out more about becoming a Sunnus Bathrooms retailer by going to sunnusbathrooms.com, that's S-O-N-A-S, bathrooms.com, or you can go and see them in person at KBB Birmingham, where they will be a must-visit exhibitor. You can find them on stand F30, and if you do, say hello for me. So now we're going to start by going over to Rebecca Nottingham at the kitchen panel where she is talking to some of the judges. We've got Graham Robinson from Halcyon Interiors, who is also our very kind host, interior designer Roz Wilson, and first up, designer Linda Barker. And Rebecca started by asking her about the importance of being able to talk to the finalists about their design as part of the judging process. you just get a real insight into how somebody is working I think when you can see them face to face you can you can get a, a big clue from them about their development in in the, this industry you have their passion really shows I mean passion out of anything really shows on a on a one-to-one it, it jumps off the yeah. paper so you could be looking at a design on paper that just seems very ordinary uh, very run-of-the-mill and yet when you have that voice behind it when you have that person behind it when you have that enthusiasm it can really change the dynamics absolutely okay yeah I mean Graham what do I think yeah again it's a story behind the design so you feel like you get to know the designer but you also get Mm -hmm. to know that the clients they've designed for makes some of the design decisions make more sense it shows collaboration We've had a lot of individuality this year, and I think you see more of that, and you get a story behind the individuality. Yeah, absolutely. Rose, would you... I mean, yeah, I agree with Linda and Graham. I think it makes the process credible because it's very easy to be able to submit images without any kind of substance behind. But when you ask a designer to substantiate their thought process behind something, that makes the accolade 
we're worth it absolutely and it really does like yeah, I think one of you quite rightly pointed out there's a lot of materials a lot of textures in here that if without the explanation you might wonder how they got to that point but the explanation the the opportunity for them to describe to, to you the brief from the client and how they came to that decision really makes mm. makes a huge difference doesn't it yeah I mean there's so many decisions to be made in kitchen designs you know the hundreds if not a few thousand decisions and why someone chooses to use a particular material or how they want to construct say an island unit or a peninsula unit or shapes that people would go for colors that people mm. go for I mean you know coming into 2024 we're seeing so many innovative kind of colors for kitchens that came through in the awards this time which is such a it's such an interesting part of the judging process mm. I think it's just kind of see the development of kitchens yeah yeah absolutely and also like choice of appliances why people are choosing certain appliances mm. how units are being put together um, all some of the details is really interesting and like seeing shots of people fitting things or people explaining how things were fitted is really interesting and also to expand on that is this navigational path of understanding just what's out there there's so much out there for a client to decide and these designers then can uh, curtail that choice to bring it down to what's preferable what's according to the client brief and so forth so it's really nice to be able to see that exhibited through what the contestants bring to the table yeah wonderful so, so well put what about any any standout trends themes that you saw coming through maybe that you could link more than one of the designs too I, I would say the trend is there isn't really a trend because it's such a broad spectrum of different yeah. styles and combinations of styles and influences so sometimes three or four influences in one within one kitchen so no real trends whereas maybe in years past there's been like trends for a certain color keep popping up or a certain style mm. but not so much this year which i think is actually quite encouraging that people are designing for individuality and the individual clients rather than following a trend. That's interesting. Yeah, Linda, did you... It it is lovely, isn't it? Because the way people would commission a kitchen is perhaps they would look at Instagram or Pinterest. I mean, that that has shown through with some of our uh, kitchen designers. They're saying they're getting uh, commissions from social media. But there is so much out there that, in a way, it takes a good designer to take all that influence and condense it down for a client. So I think for me, ever more, there is it's super important to have that designer kind of taking all the all that on board and delivering the right product mm. for the client. Like there's so much influence mm. that a good designer will edit that down to get the right the kitchen that's right for the client i mean i remember the, the, the in previous years where there's been this very strong trend of um sort of monochromatic or sort of very light schemes and we used to trawl through the designs and there were a lot that were just so the same but i think what we have found this year and it's been quite an interesting process is that it's all quite different yeah and it's it's caused a lot of discussion amongst us today mm. it, in addition to which i think this terminology of interior architecture has come up for the first time so strongly within on the judging panel with the um the entrance so i think there's room to understand that there's been expansion and design growth in in what's coming to the entries this year so i think it's going to be very interesting going forward yeah to see how well, that's really interesting yeah because that that talk about being more than just a, a kitchen designer it's spatial planning isn't it and everybody yeah. today seemed really to understand the space and to really work 
cleverly you know there was a lot of clever little aspects that were brought into each design to Mm. make it work for a specific yeah, there's Space. more knowledge. There's more. Mm-hmm. We've had a number of contestants just show some really interesting understanding and journeys through and the stories behind them. So we'll see how this unfolds. Yeah, no, that's really exciting. I mean, there was a lot of talk today about collaboration with the client. Now, mm. in past years when I've talked to retailers about how much input, is it a good thing to have a lot of input from the consumer? And I know at some points today, you, the judges were talking to the designers about whether they should have led them down a different path, perhaps. I mean, is collaborating with the client such a good thing? What are the positives and negatives of having such a, a client that with, with such a strong brief? I think it's amazing that that's happening. I think our clients that want a really brilliant kitchen that works in their home, they've researched it themselves before they approach a designer. They've got the vocabulary now. They've got a certain energy that they want to bring to a kitchen. You know, there's no space for a dull kitchen anymore because of the the questions people are asking. Great. Okay. I think that collaboration is going to lead to a bit more of a livable kitchen because I think we need to consider that in terms of functionality and so forth. So I think for me, it feels like the only route to being able to make sure that it can be successful. Yeah, yeah. But um, we've had so many interesting designs today that show that that's the possibility. Yeah. A lot of talk about how people are cooking in the kitchens. Mm -hmm. So down to the fine detail of what they're cooking with, how they're cooking, what they're cooking on, location of the pan, the size of their pan. So all of that intricate detail there's a lot of that came through today and again get back to that sort of spatial awareness there was a lot of talk about not just understanding how how big the space is or the 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 fact that you've got certain areas that you can work with but taking in the architectural references and the Mm. reference points and actually bringing those into the design We've also seen a lot of compromising spaces where the designers have been really clever because, you know, it's it's not always about being able to have everything on the checklist ticked off. It's about also that collaboration with clients that how do we work around the areas that are tricky and challenging to make the kitchen work? And I think that's been shown quite successfully today in what we've seen. Absolutely. So quite often yeah. a yeah. challenging space makes such a beautiful yeah. kitchen yeah. and a challenging budget sometimes makes it yeah. really beautiful. And I suppose the, the benefit of um, this award is for anybody looking at it, they needn't think that because you haven't got, you know, in excess of 50K, you can't mm. employ a designer to help you with your kitchen. Yeah, This competition shows very clearly that mm. you can do that. And this is just the cream. There was mm. so many, so many that could have been shortlisted this year. The standard was really, really high, and there's a mm. lot of entries. We were talking earlier when we were shortlisting the entries that we didn't really want it to end because they were all really good. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. I mean, yeah, I know we we often say it's a bumper year, but generally this is the biggest year of entries this year. So it's interesting and good to hear that across the board it was very very high quality as well yeah and i think um, you know designers up and coming designers designers that, that are just doing their first kitchen shouldn't be put off by entering a kitchen into a competition like this because sometimes they have the best ideas yeah, absolutely i mean exactly you've got to you get out there i think we mm. have confidence in your your designs and i think perhaps at the top end it's it's not a struggle at the moment but you know it's a difficult market out there mm. so to be able to have the confidence in your your designs and things at a busy time at a difficult time Mm. to enter awards like this is really really important 
A huge thanks to Linda, Roz and Graham for all their time and expertise in judging our awards and the rest of that panel that were there on the day. And I actually really love hearing that they get so much from it all as well. Now it's over to me in the bathroom judging venue of the amazing Rocker Gallery in Chelsea Harbour. I managed to nab a couple of judges in the shape of design writer Elspeth Pridham and interior designer Stephen Dick. And I also started by asking why direct contact with the finalists is so important. When you look at the flat plans and the drawings, you can be swayed by the aesthetic of it, but then when you're actually talking to them and they have the opportunity to explain all their decisions, you then can really understand the problems they faced and how they got round them, and I think that's, that's fascinating for me. I learn something every time. It's interesting from you, Stephen, and the other designers that are on the panel. The, the questions you're asking are actually very technical, aren't they? It's what's the distance between this and that? What's the rating of this? You know, you're really getting into the nitty-gritty of it, and, and that's what makes it a professional design competition, I think. Yeah, very much so, because we're not looking at, for instance, a single pretty image of a final project. We're understanding what's actually a client journey and a design journey all the way through that. And part of that is those technical aspects as well, because there are a thousand decisions that will have been made in the design of each of these rooms and we can see things in those rooms and we want to ask about them and learn about how they tackled various aspects of the site, aspects of the client's brief or problems that came up during the project as well. And what's interesting with a few of them today was the influence of the client themselves in the wrong decisions. You know, there's quite a few occasions where we had a, look, I couldn't change their mind about that. They insisted on that. As a professional designer, is that always a battle or... Is that something you feel is part of the, the ammunition that you have, is to influence what they think? Well, I think it's... make them think it was their idea. Yeah, well, that's the ideal scenario. But um, as designers, I mean, we're responsible for guiding the clients, and we're, I think we're also responsible for ensuring that the finished project is something which the client is very happy with. Despite what they thought before, it's something that they're very happy with, and it fulfills all the things that they need in their day-to-day living, for instance, for a bathroom. But there are always situations when the client knows best, and perhaps the client always knows best, but it, it is ultimately their home. So it's their prerogative to say, you know, ultimately what they do and don't want. But it's interesting for us to hear about it and hear about how they dealt with that sometimes. Because that's what makes them, what makes them professionals. Yeah. One of the other things that came up a lot today, I think, was we had lots of different spaces, lots of unusual corners and eaves and horrible little corridors. There was lots of that in here today, wasn't there? And again, it's all part of the narrative of, of the story, isn't it? Yes, I think we had quite a lot of en-suites today. And of course, in older properties, those are quite often spaces that have been cheated away from the main room. And it was a real eye-opener as to how some of the designers had made those spaces work. And actually to see some of the before images and see how badly they'd been designed and how unattractive they were and purely practical. And then to see when a real professional comes in and can transform those very small, very quite often dark spaces. And they were doing that for a really very reasonable amount of money weren't they yes absolutely and sometimes i mean i guess it's partly but if some of those spaces were small and awkward spaces those weren't necessarily the main bathrooms in the house so they would be smaller smaller spaces or off guest rooms or something like that so the budgets would be smaller so it's actually demanding so much more of the designers and i think what we saw today is with some of those really difficult spaces we saw an extraordinarily high standard of problem solving and of design and of just considering how those spaces are used it was fantastic to see and drawing them all together into something that felt like a very coherent space as well that was yeah, a big part of it too it's very hard it's very hard to do and then uh, when you see all that come together you know, with all of the shortlisted entries here but also in particular the winners there's some really really great projects there 
Right, so it's always interesting, I think, and it's very back of a fag packet stuff because we're obviously we're not seeing every bathroom out there that's designed, but it's always funny to me there are trends that come through here. There are things that link all these things together that you can feel that there is a, a theme that runs through them, right? So I know what mine are. Elspeth, what do you think yours are? I'm going to say tiles, which I'm sure is one oh, of yours, and also one of <laughs> Stephen's as well. I think also I've just recently been writing a, a feature about tiles, and they are such a strength coming through both in bathroom and kitchen design at the moment. But I think one of the things we really saw was the mixing and matching. You know, you could get two, three, even four different tiles as long as they're within the same kind of colour grouping they can really add interest to a room and I think we've moved away massively from the sort of clinical bathroom design to something that looks much more like a relaxing uh, it's the overused word spa space but you know almost like a living area the sort of soft feel that tiles and textures can bring to the space yeah it was it was almost the first thing that designers were talking about when they started their presentations wasn't it is the colors and the textures of the tiles yes it is it's wonderful to to see more designers softening the rooms a little bit rather than rooms being fully tiled in high gloss tiles and all that glare what we saw here were rooms which incorporated textured wall coverings textured cement and concrete finishes we saw softer textured tiles used to it's supposed to make rooms feel more comfortable and also things like curtains into bathrooms and things like that sort of making more of the bedroom come through into the bathroom rather than what we might have seen in years gone by which was bringing the bathroom into the bedroom Mm. Um, it's really interesting yeah, and I'll just add to, to that some really creative storage, which again brings the bedroom through, doesn't it? That it, there's a, this lovely link from one room to the next with some you know, amazing bespoke um, cabinetry going on as well. And again, for, for a very reasonable price as well. Mm. A lot of the time, the bespokeness is the cheaper option yeah. than, than, than buying the, the, the off the shelf one. Right, so Elspeth's had tiles, which I was going to say. <laughs> so, what, what about you, Stephen? What do you think? I think also lighting, as well as looking towards that softness and using different finishes. Um, I think there's also much more use now of creative lighting so moving away from just a scheme which relies only on down lighting to incorporating led lighting led track lighting but also hiding it away and it's really nice to be able to have lighting within the bathroom where actually you don't see the source of the light so we saw a lot more hidden lighting i think not just in the ceiling but also vertically as well and casting that light across surfaces across textures as well which was part of bringing in that sort of visual interest which i think was lacking i think years gone by and a lot of pendants as well mm. a lot yep. of pendants mm, there were okay so i'm going to have we did not i think we saw one chrome bit of brassware in the entire day i think if if it wasn't black it was bronze or gold literally virtually across the board no absolutely and i think we've seen that as these kind of different metal finishes and pvd finishes have come down to lower price points within the brassware market i've seen we've seen much more use of them and i think it's probably also reflective of some of the solutions and rooms we've seen here are some of the more creative and interesting uh, bathrooms, of course. You know, they're the best ones that have uh, been shortlisted. So they're naturally going to pick up on perhaps something a little bit different, something a bit more interesting, but then crucially find ways of using those in combination with the finishes, in combinations with the interesting tiles that Elspeth was talking about and putting them together to create a really beautiful scheme. And it sort of softens everything a bit, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I think that's what I liked about it. It just gives it a little touch of style that perhaps you know the classic chrome finish would not give you chrome gives you that sort of clinical cleanliness thing whereas 
the you know the bronzes or the golds or the blacks gives, just gives you that little touch of touch of opulence and style without looking like you've got Elvis's bathroom. <laughs> Absolutely. I think chrome is very hard and shiny, like we were saying, you know, we've lost the hard, shiny tiles. Um, and add to that, we weren't only seeing different metals, but brushed metals, which is a much softer finish. And I was quite impressed by how some of the designers had really shopped around so that they could match, you know, their, their taps with their hinges on the shower door and, you know, what have you, to try and create a really cohesive look, but not always, always from just one supplier. Yeah, I think, look, shower enclosures are not one of my strong points. And, and, and I think when they're done badly, they can look absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. But even today, I think a lot of it was bespoke. They were, they were cutting things to fit. There was very few off-the-shelf shower enclosures and solutions in any of this. And in fact, a lot of it was putting it in nooks and crannies and things around the corner that I thought, is, that's how you should do shower enclosures, I think. Yeah, well, I think sometimes the use of a bespoke solution, whether it's in the screens or cabinetry or whatever, it enables a designer or a bathroom designer to actually use the space more effectively, more efficiently, and end up with a bathroom which doesn't just look better, but it feels better, it functions better, ergonomically it's more efficient, and ultimately we see that in the finished bathrooms here. And that standard was so high in particular where designers have had the chance to use that creativity, use those bespoke solutions available to them, and... um, yeah, they've been wonderful. One thing I do want to end on here is what we saw today was a lot of before photos, mm-hmm. which is always great to see. And I do think that this industry has an awful lot of crimes to answer for. <laughs> Some of the things we saw, good Lord, I, I feel quite ashamed to even associate myself with this industry. Do you know what I mean? What was your favourite? Well, we saw a couple of corner baths, didn't we? Which, yeah. uh, to be honest, when I moved into my current house, there was a corner bath and it was very comfortable, but it went out very quickly. Yeah, just ghastly things. Yeah. I think there was quite a few stood wall-type arrangements in there that you just think, how did they, they even arrive at that? There were. There was, yeah, there was one in particular where actually a wall had been put up which actually starved the rest of the room of any natural light, and I, I don't know what the thinking was there. But my favourite, actually, there was one which had extraordinarily thick carpet <laughs> on the floor. But all I can say is, at least it was only on the floor, and this year it didn't go up the walls. That's true. That's true. If it's the same one I'm thinking of, it was kind of Barney the Dinosaur Purple, wasn't it, as well? <laughs> it was very beautiful. Oh, honestly, someone should call the police. That was me, obviously, talking to Elspeth Pridham and Stephen Dick. So a huge thanks to them and to all of our bathroom judges on the day. We'll be back with another awards bonus episode next week as we build up to the big ceremony. And it will, of course, once again be in association with our 2024 awards podcast partner, Sunless Bathrooms. You can find out all about them at sunlessbathrooms.com or you can go and see them in person at KBB Birmingham on Stand F30. I'll see you next time. Listener.